mindfulness mode. If you really want to move ahead and you just don't seem to be gaining traction, so to speak, go get help. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here today. And I'm here with a guest whose professional career has spanned almost 40 years. He's a psychologist. He's done all kinds of work as a therapist. And I mean, it's just amazing all the different things he's done. And I am so looking forward to sharing his story and learning more about him. He's an author and he's just someone who has put so much out there to help people in the world who are struggling or have challenges. I'm here with Faust Ruggiero. Faust, are you in mindfulness mode today? No, Bruce, I always am. You know, that's one of those things that uh, we hear a lot about. I tend to think about it as being conscious, keeping your mind focused in the moment. Uh, So, you know, that's kind of how I I work with that, Uh, you know, and I have a you know, my own way of teaching people about doing that. But yeah, you know, if you stay right where you are, you put all your energies where they need to be, usually things work out pretty well for you. Yeah, they do. Well, you've kind of answered my next question almost, but maybe you have something to add to it. What does mindfulness mean to you? You know, and I, I get that question a lot with, particularly today in the last, oh, five or six years, mindfulness, that term has made its way through the field and really what it's about you know it's a catchy uh, uh, catchy uh, way of saying things but it's about your your conscious energy it's keeping it in the moment you're living in and and you know I, the missing link to this and i haven't heard this uh, spoken anywhere is that the human brain really it 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 wants to distribute energy but it tries to make as much of what we're doing kind of autopilot on unconscious so it doesn't have to expend tons of energy and then there's more available to do what you want to do so when people say i'm struggling with this being in the moment thing i try to tell them that's okay because that's the natural way that your mind works when we're telling you to be conscious and be in the moment and be mindful whatever terms you want to use we're actually telling you to do something that kind of violates the natural path of the way your brain typically works you know, it, it 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 takes energy, it takes focus, it takes time to be in the moment. And we don't like to do that. We like everything fast. We want quick fixes. You know, we get me to the finish line fast. And that's not what mindfulness and consciousness is all about. No, absolutely not. And I want to cut to the chase because I want to dig right in and talk to you about the Process Way of Life program mm-hmm. that you've developed. Tell us just a little bit about that so that for anybody that doesn't know you or hasn't heard about this before, has has a kind of an overview. Uh, thanks for asking. You know, um, Process Way of Life is something I developed gee, now probably 25 years ago. Uh, after, you know, you, you come out of school, out of school, you're taught with all these about all these various ways to do things. But I realized that there are all these processes, all these things these, that we need to do if we want a life to be happy. We want to be honest. Uh, you know, we want to be conscious about what we're doing. We want to slow our pace down, all things like that, creativity, uh, loving each other, all those things. They're all processes. And what I wanted to do was put, to put together, uh, take the program and put it into a text that would simply say, here, these are the processes. There are 52 of them that I work with in the book. And I and I start with a person who's kind of angry, conflicted, whatever it may be, and bring them through this journey. And as we work through it, we come from the the more rudimentary processes to the higher order processes. When you get to things like uh, love and spirituality and those things, that's higher order. So, you know, telling people to love themselves, boy, there's such a gap to get there. 
I start with the basic tenets, which is, in, is, you know, slow down your life's pace. Be brutally honest with yourself so you can work with things. Uh, learn. I teach them about, about fact finding and, and getting the right information, all those kinds of things. And then we put it into a program and then uh, it was put into the initial text, which was the Fix Yourself Handbook. It's 32, cha- I'm sorry, 36 chapters, 52 processes. Uh, at the end of each chapter, I tell people exactly what they need to do to make it work. And it really has done well for us. People are, you know, are buying this and they're uh, and they're saying, OK, I have a program that finally says these are the things you have to do. Here's how you do it. Yeah, well, those 52 processes are so powerful, I know. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested in how you've laid it out on your website as well so that people can go there and kind of get some idea about what these are. And your website is fostrugero.com and it's F-A-U-S-T-R-U-G-G-I-E-R-O.com. So Mindful Tribe, check that out. And so uh, to get started with this, how would you suggest people get started with your book? Just digging right in and reading your book first? Or is there a gentler way? I know you have your amazing podcast, the Fix Yourself podcast. That's one of the ways that I kind of get my feet wet with your ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, when, when I tell people to, to get started, the first thing we're going to do, if, if let me say it this way. I wrote the book and the program to stimulate counseling sessions. I would like people to be able to go in and start working, start working with a simulated counseling session. So I start right from the beginning. If you come in, the first thing we're gonna do is get some information, then we're gonna start taking things out of your life that don't work. We kind of, kind of, uh, you know, unhinge the anchors, so to speak. If you're trying to swim and you still keep the, you know, the the anchor around your, your, your ankle, you're just not gonna go where. Yeah. anywhere fast so we 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 personally we let, let's take the people places and things out of your life that don't work let's let's get those bad habits uh reduced then we start going into the information so i tell people start there you know, be honest with yourself give a good assessment of where you are at any given point and uh, you know and then we start working with things and it, and it always works well because what it does is it's a, it gives the person a starting spot. That's the the difficult uh, part with counseling. A lot of times people don't know where to start, and counselors don't always start them off at the beginning. They try to fix the problems uh, because that's what people want, and uh, we want to be able to get all the information first. That may take a good two, three, four weeks in counseling to do it right. Uh, but you know, the more information you have, the better the program, and the less mistakes you make. Right, right. Foss, when you were 10 years old, were there any signs that you would end up having a career like you have and do the kind of work that you're doing? Yeah, you know, I, I, absolutely, Bruce. I, I was, I always say it when I'm doing interviews, I was the kid that, you know, uh, I love, I, first of all, I love people. I love to, to listen to them. I love to, you know, pick out all the little nuances that make them go. And, and I was doing that at 10 without even knowing it. Uh, so, and by the time I was in high school, someone, you know, friends had problems. I was the listener and I was, I didn't advise them, but I was the, I was the support guy and I was always there. So, you know, it, it just, it just followed suit. It just, I just took off from that point and I've never looked back. So it's 40 years of doing it and I'm 68. So I'm really, I'm really doing this about uh, 58 years. <laughs> right, right. And so as you look back on your journey, getting into this, what was your biggest struggle? in order to get to where you wanted to get to? You know, I had two or three things I wanted to do. So I had to figure that out first. Um, 
And then you, it's just the typical things that you go through in life. Um, biggest challenge for our family was my, my daddy having a stroke when, when I was nine and uh really bad one he he lived for about 10 years but he was really really not in good shape so you know we the whole family was redefined i mean we stayed together my, my mother was a great uh mom and my dad was a great guy too but it, we just had a you know a huge hurdle to deal with at that point he was uh then not able to work and around the house a lot and you know learn how, how to relearn how to do things so we our, all our roles in the family was the family was redefined so that, that was a huge hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that you talk about is trust the spirit inside you. Yeah. How do you identify that spirit and know whether you're on the right track or whether you're just going in the complete wrong direction? You no, know, that, that's a great question. Uh, when I start talking about purging, a lot of times, not all the time, what I say is, first, we have to disengage you. And this is a hard one today for people, uh, because people formulate their opinion of themselves based on outside references all too often. So it's, you know, what's going on in society? How do I fit? I got to make sure I fit. I don't want to be left out or or attacked, which we see a lot of today. So I, 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 I want them to understand that we've been here for ions we're still here so obviously everything we needed has always been inside us the earth has provided everything we need that's where you start it's already there let's get all the junk out of the way and let's start defining who you are i don't define it for them we're not trying to find who they are that that's ridiculous people too many people talk about that i think we now we start creating who the person wants to be once we remove all these other outside influences Right. I really appreciate what you say about anger, because I think so many people have this anger and they use this anger as a way to move forward or as a way to get what they want. And you say, beware of using anger as a tool in your life because you might get what you want, but the cost to your spirit is a high one. And that is very powerful. How do you get that message truly across to some of the people that you work with? You know, I love to break things down into components um, and I'll have people that come in and use anger and they'll, you know, and, and a lot of times that'll come out in, in couple situation. He did this, she did this, whatever. And I'll say, okay, let's look at what you wanted and they'll tell me what they wanted. I'll say, now you were angry and you fought it out. Eventually you got it. Let's look at all the little things that happened along the way. Let's list those now so you can see them because when you're angry, you're in a more primal state. You're emotional, um, uh, you know, and and you're really not uh, paying attention to what's happening and who's getting hurt and all that collateral stuff. So I said, let's list all of that, and then we put it all down. I said, now you got to the end, you got what you wanted, but look at look at the look at the the way you lived your life for that hour or day or week or whatever it was. Now you got what you want, but now you have all this repair work to do. Is this what you think is important? Is this is this the way you want to live it? Because for a, a short period of time, you were satisfied, but your bookends on each side of that were terrible. Is is that so when you put all that time together, here's that little piece of time that was great, surrounded by all this horrible stuff. And so your life isn't really happy. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about forgiveness. 
I'm really interested in what you have to say for this on this topic because it it's something that so many people struggle with, don't understand, don't know how to let go and move forward. Forgiveness is one of those things, a complicated thing to do. Um, you know, I, I found for me and for the people I work with that I want to make sure that I'm able to um, be accountable myself first. Uh, very hard to forgive anyone else if I'm making mistakes and I'm not accountable for them and I'm covering up and I'm trying to compartmentalize and move past those because I'm hanging on to that guilt and that shame. I may not be conscious of it. Now, the next person does something and I want to try to hold them accountable and that's not going to work. Or I want to try to forgive them, but now I didn't forgive me, so I got all that negative energy going. So I always tell people, get your own house in order first. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're not doing things that hurt you or anyone else. If you have, make your amends, do what you have to do. Get past that first so you can say, you know what, I've taken care of business. Now look at the people who maybe you think aren't doing things nicely for you and define what those things are and then you're going to try to work to get that out of your life hopefully you don't have to remove the person from your life but at least you want to be able to say okay i don't want that information and that emotion dragging me down anymore like mine was dragging me down so it's just it's a two-stage process and then you know you, you know for my for me it's not only about admitting what i did wrong it's being remorseful. It's making sure it doesn't happen again. All those kinds of things. I find that people who don't forgive themselves don't forgive anyone else. Right. People yeah, aren't accountable don't forgive anyone else. Yeah, I find that too. And uh, one of the things I notice is that a lot of clients come to me and they, they tell me that they feel like they're stuck, that they can't move forward, that for some reason something is holding them back. And, you know, I, I want to talk to you about that and what you think about that. And there's so much buzz around psychedelics and people say, well, should I be using psychedelics to get myself into a different place? What are your thoughts on all those things? It's like anything. It's not part of you. It's like the drug that's going to balance you, your your moods. It's it, it's it's like the alcohol or the pot that we're going to smoke. It is an outside something coming in. So what you're really doing is you're treating a symptom. I don't care, you know. And they, you know, depending on who's pushing what, because everyone's selling something. Yeah. Uh, they're going to tell you that this is all going to work, and you're going to connect with greater parts of you. And what do we know about psychedelics over the years? They exert their influence in in the moment you're taking them. For a while, you're doing really great. And then 20 years later, neurological things have begun to happen because psychedelics have their primary influence on your nervous system and on your brain, primary and even more uh, more pronounced than, than the other uh, drugs, the marijuanas and the alcohol. So would I advise it? No, I wouldn't. Now, for some people who are psychotic or, or you know, the extreme cases, Sometimes those will do some things for them. But for your everyday, all of us, I wouldn't know. Yeah. One of the things that I think about a lot and I promote a lot is the simple word compassion. I just think there's not enough compassion and that we have to learn to, or we should learn to be compassionate toward other people. And then we can be more compassionate of ourselves. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. But you know, what gets in the way is, is this feeling of being taken advantage of or being used. If I give extend all this to you, I'm not going to get any back. Then I'm going to feel like, what am I doing? 
And that's not the reason we you work with compassion. We work with compassion because that's who we want to be. If if you're in service of someone or you're doing something to help them or you're compassionate or whatever it may be, and you extend it outward and they don't give it back, that should not be your measuring stick. Your measuring stick is that you continue to do it and you redefine who you are inside and become stronger as a person. That's what it's all about, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. You've done a lot of work with people who have had issues with substances, and uh, you've really made a big difference in that space. What are some of your words of advice if anybody listening is just really struggling with some kind of a substance? Be honest with yourself. Go get help for it. You're not going to do it on your own. Um, be wary of how much Again, it's just just like we were talking about with uh, with anger. Uh, be wary of how much you're investing into this for a, a short period. You know where you get high. Um, you know, my, my feeling is that life every day should be. You know, it, it's not the highs and lows that define us. Not these huge destinations. It's that level, peaceful journey that we should be working with. And the drugs don't do anything to enhance that. I don't care, people try to try to you know put that out there pot's going to make me feel better no it's not uh you know learning how to be powerful inside learning about doing all, all the things you need to do and taking the time to get there is what's going to make you happy well there's a lot of things we can do to help fix ourselves and that's indicated by the name of your book fix yourself handbook how many of us can fix ourselves, and how many of us need help you know there's a fine line there i all the first question is how, how many of us can fix ourselves? And that's almost everyone, unless you have some neurological things or, uh, you know, that get in the way. How many of us need help? Probably most of us. But once we make the decision to say, I'm going to help me, I'm, I'm doing this, then I'll start working with it. And where I need help, then I should go get to go have a professional counselor, someone who's educated and uh, has and can take you through all this. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, I, I think people should feel that they're they're worth it uh, to spend that time and that money and whatever it is. Go go do it. Be happy. Well, the Fix It Yourself Handbook has the 52 processes in, in it. And then following that, you wrote Fix Your Anxiety Handbook. So what does that include that, you know, how do you pick up from your first book and carry on with your second book? What What's the message that you have there? There's what we've done. I wrote the first book and thought I might do a, a follow-up to that, you know, uh, with the same type of a concept. What we did is, this, is decide to turn it into a series. And we're going to do seven or eight or nine books. We're not sure yet. Okay. Um, and we looked at what's the next topic that people, we can help people fix in their lives. Anxiety is rampant through the world now. I mean, it, yeah. you know, in, in, particularly since the pandemic, it's, you know, it's it's just uh, almost epidemic proportion. So we decided to go there. The book follows the, the, the same design as the Fix Yourself Handbook as the first book. Works with the processes. All the, all the books will. Has the same short chapters so that people don't, don't have to spend a ton of time uh, trying to understand what I'm saying. And has the same advice section at the bottom of every chapter. And it's a, I take them through the all the all the um, necessary points when it comes to anxiety here's all the information you need to know and then here's all the things you can do to start lessening that and getting your life happy and productive 
Well, I noticed when you talk about your books, you say we. Do you have a writing partner? Do you uh, no, have a team? when I say we, it's a team, a publish, uh, a publicity person, you know, uh, agent, those kinds of people. So we'll sit down and we'll talk and say, mm-hmm. where do we need to go next? Then I'll write and then we take off and we start doing all the publicity and all those kinds of things. But I, I, it's all me. <laughs> I'm the writer. Yeah, yeah. Does it does it feel like this process is going more smoothly and quicker now that you've written these two books in particular? Yeah, you know, when I wrote the first book, I, I spent a lot of time, about a year, learning the business before I was going to start. I kind of did it right. Most people, you know, write and then try to figure it all out. Yeah. Uh, I did that. Uh, it took about two years, a copy editor in the picture. Uh, so finally, finally got ready for production. This book, the Fix Your Anxiety Handbook took me about three and a half months to write mm-hmm. um, and edit it as we went. And uh, the, the difference is, you know, I was always a good writer, but there's good writing and there's writing for publication. And then they're mm-hmm. two very different animals. So, you know, now I know how to connect this and shorten this and do all those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, now it flows and, you know, I, I'm only writing about uh, things I am an expert in. So it, the information's sure. already there. I just pick it up and go. Do you have any insight as to how many of your followers read the the Kindle or the hard copy or listen to the audio book? You know, um, I would say 80% of, of my readers are, are, are reading the hard, the hard copies, the paperbacks. Um, Kindle comes next and the audio book at this point is, is a third. Um, and what I'm finding is, uh, and we we did some research on that. The the audiobook is fine. People who don't read, they're on the road, whatever it may be. But what they're saying is, there's too much information. There's too much that they want to do, and to just listen to it, they get some of it. They they want that reinforced or that uh, paperback. That whether it's Kindle or or the book itself, they want that in there so they can back up and go, you know, and. What did they say? What do you say there? Well, that corresponded to something I read in the other chapter. Some people are moving maybe from the you know the the, the fourth chapter to the sixth chapter. They oh I got there because you can do it. You can go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so they like that written copy rather than the uh, you know the formal proceedings you get in, in the audio yeah. book. Yeah, it sounds like you're describing me because I I prefer a hard copy and I I like to refer back. I'm like, oh yeah, I think I I heard about that in chapter three or something, and I yeah. like to be underlining things or leaving sticky notes or things like that, so yeah. I can really have that hands on experience. And also, do you feel like it uses a different part of our brain to process if we're just listening to the audio well, compared yeah. to reading the hard copy? Yeah, what it does is, you know, the uh, the visual and the audio, different parts of the brain, when you can uh, hear it and you can see it, then you're backing it up in two different ways. Uh, but when you only hear it, then you, it, there's also a timing sequence where I got to hear it. What did he say? And that now I'm 10 sentences down the road, whereas the book, you can just wait, wait a minute. What did he say? Okay. And, you know, you're, you're not, you're not punching buttons and where was that in the text and so it's the it's the old thing am i an audio or a visual learner if people are reading the book out loud and and they're, they're telling me they they like hearing it and um and seeing it uh, couples are reading it together and you applying it to marriages you know there's all these different kind of formats but but uh, definitely the the written book seems to be the uh the way people are going. Right. I want to ask you about bullying because I've worked in this field for, for a long time. Do you have any thoughts or any stories or anything you can share with us on this topic? Yeah, a lot. 
you know, uh, I work with the schools and um, and that's a near and dear point to me that the bullying thing um, and what happens the, the, the pro, it's one thing to have that external bully. But at, when you're bullied for a, a while, you begin to take that persona on and you begin to act as a victim, not just with that bully everywhere. Yeah, uh, it's one of the reasons why uh, parents uh, it takes a while to identify this because the kids come home and then they're they're different and they're 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 angry or they're reacting or they're crying or they're isolating and they don't understand that that's that's the victim stuff and, and my concern as i tell people is always that it's it's one thing to you know if if the bully is bullying and you go and hit the bully you did something and, and but when you don't it, you internalize all those features and you bring them right into into your heart into your mind now you start being that and it really affects the way that uh, kids and even adults move forward because it's not just bullying in school it's bullying in the workplace it's it's social bullying it's uh, yeah. it's everywhere it's online you name it so you know it's yeah. it's very important to, if that's going to happen i tell people get it out of you first someone's saying these things to me or this person's pushing me around get it out of your own head yeah, totally. As we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So mm -hmm. just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a really powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Mindfulness. Well, you know, um, the person for me has always been Mother Teresa, if you know who that is. I do. Uh, very, very, um, I talk about mindful in the moment all the time uh, and uh, down to earth. It's uh, just fundamental and straightforward, honest, uh, spiritual, everything in one and always in the moment with everything that she did. So I, I followed her a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. An amazing person. My second question is about emotions and how you have handled your emotions differently as a result of mindfulness. The key for me and, and what I'm trying to teach is for people to slow their life down. Uh, you, you're, you're not going to be mindful. You're not going to be conscious if you're going 100 miles an hour because your mind's going to be all over the place. You need to slow down first. And then second, be willing to put the time in because mindfulness demands uh, a slower pace and commitment to learning over time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my next question is about breathing. We haven't talked about this. Do you have any thoughts, ideas, techniques about breathing as it, as it uh, relates to mindfulness? You know what breathing does? And I always use it as a preparation for meditation. Breathing puts you in the moment because you've got to focus on your breathing. Yeah. That's the one thing people don't think about. You know, they think, I, I got to go slow. And there you are. There's that slow. And my mind has to work on this thing. Because all of it ties in together. If you're, it, it doesn't matter what breathing exercise. You can go online and find good breathing exercises. They're all good. Essentially, what it means is slow. And and uh, keep your mind focused on the in and out of your breathing. You are now in a position of mindfulness, of, of, of consciousness in, in terms of what you're doing. Right. Well, I recommend your two books, Fix Yourself Handbook and Fix Your Anxiety Handbook. Are there any other books you would recommend in this space? I think that I don't I don't do a lot of reading um, on things. Um, uh, so, I mean, all I tell people to do is look at the, the subject matter that that you're uh, that you're in uh, that you're interested in. And then, you know, 
uh, from there, there are so many people out there. There's so many good people out there, but I don't, I typically don't recommend anything only because when I have people say that wasn't really for me, you know, it, yeah. that's something you, you, you kind of do yourself, I think. Well, everybody's different. That's for sure. Any apps? Uh, no, I, I don't, I don't use any of that, you know, and people will say they have apps, do you have workbooks? I, no, uh, you know, cause I, they're tools and some people will work well with tools. My people and I are just that relationship back and forth. That is the app, if you will. Right. Sure. This isn't one of my five questions, but do you ever do retreats? I don't at the moment, just because I'm still counseling and I don't have the time to do it. Sure. I, I do about 30 hours a week of counseling yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I don't. But what I do is uh, I have a, a space on the website if people wanted to, you know, counsel with me or do whatever, then, then they can certainly call me and say, hey, I'm interested in doing some things. How can you help me? And I'm good about getting back to people. Right. Okay. Awesome. And uh, just one more time for me to repeat that website. It's F-A-U-S-T. R-U-G-G-I-E-R-O.com. So check it out. And uh, just as we wrap up the interview, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners? I do. Uh, just a couple points. Try to slow your life down. Disconnect as much as you can from social media and the news because those things really can drag you down. Uh, get honest with yourself. Be willing to look for the facts in your life. Get your emotions out of it. I always talk about I over E, intellect over emotion. Try to keep your mind focused on what you need to do. And if you really want to move ahead and you just don't seem to be gaining traction, so to speak, go get help. Be willing to uh, get someone to talk to, even if it's for a few months. Just get the ball rolling and uh, be able to get it outside of yourself. Get a fresh pair of eyes on your life, if you will. Yeah, awesome. Well, I really appreciate talking to you today and appreciate what you're doing for the world. So thanks so much for that, Foss. Ah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me aboard. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye now. Take care. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for being with me today again. And I just want to mention about my YouTube channel, mindfulnessmode.com slash TV. Check it out. We've got shorts on there. We've got full length recordings check it out and let me know what you think and you can send me an email bruce at mindfulnessmode.com i'd love to hear from you so with that take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode <laughs>